and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Happy Thanksgiving week to everyone. I'm very thankful that people take the time to listen to this podcast, read my coverage. Uh, That's never been lost on me. So I just want to say first and foremost, thank you to everyone um, who takes the time to stop by here, see what I have to say or write And happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Penn State will be in action the day after Thanksgiving. Playing Michigan State at Ford Field should be a pretty cool environment. I'll be there, see how the atmosphere goes. Who will start at quarterback for Penn State? We are going to get into a very interesting quarterback discussion with this program. Okay, I'm going to start off by saying I have a lot of respect for Christian Hackenberg. Christian Hackenberg came to Penn State at a time when a lot of prospects were avoiding Penn State uh, after the scandal. So he stayed at Penn State for his whole college career. And he really tried, and he tried to make the best of a what ended up being a really tough situation after Bill O'Brien left. And it's extremely respectful what Christian Hackenberg did. All right? Uh, He's a a good dude. He really is. He's back around the program now. He does the podcast and everything with Adam Brenneman and everything. Christian Hackenberg's a good dude. Uh, He he wasn't as good of a quarterback as people thought, but I respect the fact that he stuck around the program. However, I think he made a huge mistake in his career sticking around the program. So if you follow what I'm saying – Penn State fans should be thankful that Christian Hackenberg showed dedication and loyalty to the program because it was a very, very difficult time in Penn State football history. But for Christian Hackenberg's career, he should have left. He just should have left. All right. Especially for that final season in 2015. You know, what might he have become going to play in a different system? Because quite frankly, by the time he left Penn State, he was a broken quarterback. The fact that he got drafted in the second round by the New York Jets, quite frankly, uh, was a joke. I can't believe the Jets took him that early. He never played a single snap in the NFL during a regular season game. Again, that's just the analysis part of Christian as a quarterback. He he was not a second round pick. Uh, That was a major, major reach. And I, I just think that he was a broken quarterback by staying at Penn State. If he had gone somewhere else, I believe Florida State might have been in play, uh, looking back on it from like eight years ago. But if he had gone somewhere else for that final year, ex- had a different experience, maybe learned different things, been in a different system, you know, just just all things being equal could have been better for him. Okay? So that's Christian Hackenberg. Playing under James Franklin, James wants to have a mobile quarterback Christian was a pure pocket passer. Now, it's hard to compare apples to apples because that the offensive line was bad then. They didn't have great skill position guys, you know, but Christian Hackenberg could not succeed at a really high level uh, playing under James Franklin at that time. Now we fast forward to Drew Aller. And I'll get to Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford in a minute and how they fit into all this. But Drew Aller came to Penn State as an incredibly highly rated prospect, a five-star guy, the number one pro-style quarterback prospect in the country when he came to Penn State. 
and we sit there and we think, okay, this is a couple year window here to maybe compete for a national championship. This guy has as much skill as any Penn State quarterback we've ever seen coming in. And you want to think, you want to think that Drew Aller could lead Penn State to tremendous heights, which would be great for the program and then great for Drew Aller. And then he's a top five, top 10 pick. And he goes on and makes millions and millions of dollars in the NFL because he's extremely talented from a skill position, from a skill set standpoint. But should Christian Hackett, I'm sorry, but should Drew Aller stay at Penn State? See, that's the question. And that's why I brought up the Christian Hackenberg comparison. Because Drew Aller has done absolutely nothing this year. Well, one thing, he's protected the football, but that even comes with a caveat with an asterisk. Yeah, he hasn't thrown, he's only thrown the one interception, but they don't really ask him to do anything. And he makes such incredibly safe throws that you're not going to throw interceptions. Christian Hackenberg has really done virtually nothing to prove that he's an NFL quarterback, let alone of any, of any kind, let alone a top 10 pick, a top five pick, that kind of thing. Now, look, he's a first year starter. Could he come back to Penn State next year, put up big numbers, and and really kind of take that big next step, and then maybe want to go pro, or might he need two more years, you know, and have to stay for four years in college? But why would Drew Aller do that? What it, what is Penn State's offense going to be next year that leads you to believe that Drew Aller can take some kind of giant step forward? We don't know what the wide receiver situation is going to look like next year. Keandre Lambert-Smith can come back, but he's not the answer at number one. Dante Cephas can come back. Do they want him back? They do have a lot of the younger receivers that they've recruited recently, uh, you know, that, that could step up. Maybe they could hit, hit a home run in the transfer portal. But the offensive line, Olu Fashionu is going to be gone. Hunter Norzad is going to be gone. Caden Wallace going to be gone. You're going to have to kind of take a look at rebuilding the offensive line. Will Nicholas Singleton be back? You kind of think Katron Allen will be back. He's taking over as the, as the number one tailback. Will Nicholas Singleton come back? Does he want to come back and carry, carry the ball 10 times a game for 60 yards? Is that how he's going to make the most of his college experience and get to the NFL? The point being with all of this is what's to lead anybody to believe that Penn State's offense is going to be any better next year than it is this year in terms of, you know, Drew Aller making a a, a big mark. All of this comes into focus and comes into play because Drew got hurt in the third quarter against Rutgers and missed the rest of the game. Looks like a shoulder injury. We'll see what his status is this week. We'll see if he plays Friday against Michigan State in Detroit. I would doubt it. I mean, when you have that kind of injury and you're this late in the season and you can beat Michigan State with Bo Perbula just running the ball and throwing occasionally, you would think you could beat Michigan State easily anyway because they're not any good and Penn State's defense is good. So does Drew Aller play against Michigan State? I, I typically would think not. And then we have to wonder, the transfer portal window opens, I believe, December 2nd. 
and decisions have to be made. Now, I will flat out tell you that Drew Aller has been a huge disappointment this year. If you disagree with that, I'm not sure what you've been watching. This is not me saying that he will be a bust and cannot ever become what we thought he would be. But so far, under James Franklin, as a pure pocket passer, Drew Aller is not the guy we thought. Christian Hackenberg, pure pocket passer, was never the guy that we thought he could be under James Franklin. Again, not an apples-to-apples comparison because that was bad offensive line. But the question becomes, if you're a pure pure pocket passer, do you want to be playing for James Franklin? Is that what's best for your career? Just like I think Drew Christian Hackenberg made a huge mistake not going somewhere else and putting himself in a different position, I think you have to question if Drew Aller is in the right position for his career. We don't know who the next offensive coordinator is going to be, but we know James Franklin is going to be the head coach. We know James Franklin wants his quarterbacks to run the ball, right? How did Drew Aller get hurt? Now, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I've been talking and writing for several weeks about the way that they could get the offense going and become a more dangerous offense would be Drew Aller taking off and running some. He did it a couple of times against Maryland on, on a couple of really nice runs. Middle of the field was open. But the issue is when you're a six foot five, 242 pound man, you're not a running quarterback. You're a pocket quarterback. And so while James Franklin wants him to be able to take off and run to extend plays and hurt the defense more, and while that might be best for what James Franklin wants to do in his current Penn State offense, is that what's best for Drew Aller's career? Because he got drilled. He got absolutely drilled. I'll give you some insight. On the play, he got hit against Rutgers. He runs straight in the middle. I'm sitting up in the press box. He gets hit. I wince. I say to the reporters around me, oh, man, you're going to get the guy killed doing that. And then he got right back up, and I'm like, man, that's one tough son of a gun. But then the very next play, clearly he wasn't right, and he throws the ball out of bounds, and he leaves the game and doesn't come back. After the run that I had literally just said 30 seconds earlier, man, you're going to get the guy killed doing that. I know 1% of football compared to James Franklin, but I know you can get your quarterback killed doing that. So why, why are they running that play? Right into the teeth of the defense, we're in the middle of the field where, they, where you got a, a, a congestion of defenders that are waiting to hit your six foot five, 242 pound pocket passing quarterback who doesn't know how to get down. It was second and four. He got eight yards and he got drilled. Why didn't he get down? These are the things that when you're thinking about big picture in life, if you're Drew Aller and you want to get to the NFL, but you're playing in a system where they need you to run some. Now, look, I told you I'd get to Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford. James Franklin caught lightning in a bottle in 2016. We had no idea how good, how tough, how durable, how resilient Trace McSorley could be. I remember the first time I saw Trace McSorley, and I thought, man, that guy's going to get crushed. He's too small to play this position. One of the toughest dudes I've ever seen in college football. Then you marry him with Joe Moorhead and everything that they were able to do with that offense in 2016 because Trace McSorley was able to take off and run and extend plays, but keep his eyes open down the field and make great throws, and he had great guys to catch the ball. 
James Franklin fell in love with that whole concept of 2016, and he's been trying to recapture it ever since. Joe Moorhead leaves after 2017. He brings in Ricky Ronnie. Basically, they're running the same system. Ricky wasn't very good at it at all, was going to get fired or deserved to be fired, but he just so happened to catch lightning in a bottle himself with the old Dominion job opening up. Then James brings in Kirk Shiraka, and he tries to blend, the quote was blend, what Kirk wanted to do with the old Joe Moorhead, Ricky Ronnie system. That didn't work great in 2020. James Franklin fires Kirk Shiraka, brings in Mike Yersich. And Mike Yersich had success last year with Sean Clifford, because Sean was a veteran. He could take off and run. Very, very smart. Let's give Sean Clifford a lot of credit. He knew when to take off and run. He knew how to find a hole. He knew how to avoid the big hit. Yeah, he got destroyed on that hit at Auburn last year, if you remember the video. And you know what Sean Clifford did? Got right back up and kept playing, and they won the game in a blowout. Sean Clifford was a very smart guy, knew how to get down, knew how to protect himself. But Drew Allers got, I don't know, what, 20, 30 pounds on Sean? 20, probably 20 pounds. I think Sean was around 220 at Penn State. He's bigger. He's, he's, he's heavier. He's not Trace McSorley. He's not Sean Clifford. So ultimately, what we're talking about here is this. We thought Drew Aller would be one type of quarterback when he came to Penn State. All right. But that type of quarterback is not what James Franklin has ever proven that he can succeed with. James proved he could succeed with Trace McSorley. And yes, they succeeded with Sean Clifford because Sean could take off. You got to have a good running game, had to have a good offensive line as well. But James himself, I don't really think, understands how to fully operate with a pocket-passing quarterback. Okay? All of this is so incredibly important because decisions have to be made in about three weeks. All right, I'm recording this on November 19th. Again, I believe it's December 2nd that the transfer portal opens. I don't think Drew Aller plays against Michigan State. And then I think he's got to have people around him. Look, again, I'm not the X's and O's quarterback or expert on on what it's going to take for Drew Aller to get to the NFL, but I'm sure he's surrounded himself with people who are. And those people, what are they talking to him about? What kind of questions... Are Drew asking his people, why is this offense so bad? Why are my numbers so bad? Why does this look so bad against Ohio State and Michigan? Will it get better next year? Will they force me to keep running up the middle and I'm going to get drilled and get hurt? What's that do to my career? You know, we talked for a year and a half about the potential of what Drew Aller could bring to Penn State. And everybody thought this couple-year window of competing for a national championship and this and that and the other. But at the end of the day, he's not been real good. The offense have been a, has been an unbelievably massive disappointment to the point where you got to fire the offensive coordinator. So who's the what's the next offensive coordinator going to do? Is he going to come in? And, and are you going to hire a, a pure pocket passer, offensive quarterback, or offensive coordinator kind of guy? Is James Franklin going to be comfortable with that? Or is James still going to cling to what he learned in 2016 that if we've got a mobile guy and he can take off, he can extend plays and create more explosive plays that way? Well, is the off- is the next offensive quarter- coordinator going to be comfortable with that? Is the next offensive coordinator going to want his six foot five, 242 pound quarterback running up the middle and getting destroyed 
to where he's got to come out of games. Therein lies the issue of the conflict between what James Franklin wants and what the next offensive coordinator wants. And then will James Franklin just let the offensive coordinator run his system regardless? Well, no. (laughs) Who thinks that that's going to happen? James is going to be involved. James is going to make sure that certain parameters are in place. Is that what's best for Drew Aller? I can't make these decisions. Fans can't make these decisions. This is what big-time college football with tens of millions of dollars at stake, these are the questions these athletes have to ask. If I'm Drew Aller, I'm asking all the football people around me, what do you think Penn State's offense is going to look like next year? What do you think of Keandre Lambert-Smith? What do you think of Dante Cephas? How many wide receivers are going to be in the transfer portal? Could we get one of them? What's going to happen to me when we lose three starting offensive linemen when offensive line has been an issue at Penn State for many, many years? What's going to happen to me if Nicholas Singleton transfers? All of these things. All of these things have to be on the table. We are at a crossroads for the Penn State football program. Maybe you think I'm blowing this up, exaggerating hyperbole, and Drew Aller decides in two, three weeks he's going to stay, and that's just the way it is, and this whole conversation is a moot point. Well, is it? Is he going to be any better next year? Honestly, is Drew Aller going to be any better next year if all of these things that I've just mentioned to you with – you know, guys either giving up their last year of eligibility or transferring themselves or, or, or whatever. Quite frankly, and the defense is not going to be as good next year. You're losing Kalen King. You're losing Chop Robinson. You're probably going to lose Manny Diaz. You're not necessarily going to be able to win games in this boring, grinded out kind of fashion next year. So just so many things in play here. And I'm, as I began the podcast talking about Christian Hackenberg, I have great respect for him for sticking it out. But I think he made a gigantic mistake for his career by staying at a place that was not well-suited for him. If you're Drew Aller, and look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say Drew's been good enough to even make Penn State fans want him to stay. How many of you are out there thinking, hey, if he goes, so be it. You know, it wasn't that good anyway. I think there's a lot of people out there thinking that. Now, I'm going to get to Bo Prabula here in the second segment and what that could look like going forward. But again, just to close out this part of the discussion, Drew has a tremendous skill set. But he's playing for a head coach who seems to want the quarterback to run more than it looks like Drew Aller might ever be capable of doing. And if you can't surround him with the right kind of piece, look, I think – you, you know, USC might need a quarterback next year. I don't know what all their recruiting situations like after Caleb Williams or if Caleb even comes back. They lost, what, five games this year. I think Notre Dame might need a quarterback. I think Florida State might need a quarterback. LSU, there are going to be places out there that might, even though Drew, you know, struggled this year against Ohio State and Michigan, they'll look at him and say, what, 20-something touchdowns, one interception? Let's get our collective on it. Let's get him a million, a million and a half dollars. Can Penn State get him a million, a million and a half dollars? If he's got options out there, hey, what uh, what's he going to do? So now all this thought, all this talk about the Penn State football program this year, next year, going into a 12-team playoff, what could they do? It's all its all really been largely built on what can Drew Aller do. Now the bigger question is, is Drew Aller even going to be here next year?
welcome back. Now I want to get into Bo Pribula and this notion of there are a lot of Penn State fans out there that are thinking, hey, just forget about Drew Aller. Turn it over to Bo. Look how effective he was running the offense at the end of the game against Rutgers. And I don't think that's the answer either. Okay. This is not 1987 or 92 where you're, you're, you, you want your quarterback running these exotic offenses and, and taking off and running 20, 25 times. This is 2023. Defenses, defensive players are bigger, stronger, faster, hit harder. Don't get me wrong. I like what Bo did against Rutgers. He clearly is an excellent running quarterback. But man, he's going to get hammered. He's going to, do you really want to put the program, the entire hands of the program into that system either? I mean, he threw one pass at the end against Rutgers for nine yards to Tyler Warren. He's what, he's like he's seven of 17 this year for 81 yards. All of you Penn State fans out there thinking, uh, Bo Pribula is going to be better than Drew anyway. Where are you getting that? What makes you think, one, that he can throw the ball at all? Well, Geiger, Drew Aller can't throw the ball either. Okay, okay. Uh, fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I don't have much leg to stand on in that argument, uh, especially after Ohio State and Michigan. But can Bo throw the ball at all? I, I mean, at all. Can, can can Bo beat Michigan State this week? Yeah, because they're terrible, and Penn State's defense is good. You're going to go into next year with Bo Prabula being the guy, and, and you think that he's just going to take off and run 75% of the time, and that's going to work in the Big Ten? Well, yeah, it might work. You might be able to win some games like that. But man, I'm just not a believer that you just put your quarterback in danger all the time like that. Even if he is a great runner, uh, it, it's just, it's a very dangerous situation. So what do they do, you know, for next year? You know, maybe Drew stays. We'll see. We'll have to play that all out. If he doesn't stay, you know, Bo's going to have to become a well-rounded quarterback. The, you, you're not going to win at a high level consistently with a quarterback taking off and running 75, 80%. You're not. I, not in the Big Ten. I'll guarantee you that. I'll, I'll bet my mortgage a hundred times over. That's not going to work at an extremely high level if you can't prove that you can throw the ball to an effective degree. So now, do we know that Bo Perbula cannot throw the ball? Absolutely not. We don't know that. We know that he hasn't, but we don't know that he can't. And he really won't have to or shouldn't have to, you would think, against Michigan State. So I think what's going to happen, gut feeling, I'm recording this Sunday night, maybe Drew's perfectly fine, he's ready to go Friday, we'll see. But I think what's going to happen is that Drew uh, will be limited. Maybe he could play in a, in a pinch if need be, but Bo's going to be the guy and they're going to keep running this system. They're not going to reinvent the wheel here. You know, with uh, co-offensive coordinators after Yersich was fired, Jaywan Sider, Ty Howell are not going to be able to turn Bo Pribula into something he's not over the next four days in a short week to prepare for a, a football game. So we're just going to see a lot more of what we saw in the second half against Rutgers. If you think that's the future of Penn State football, though, you got another thing coming. Um, there, there's no way that will work going forward to expect the guy to be your main dude all year. And then next year, 
The backup is Jackson Smolik if, if Drew were to leave. So the bottom line is Bo's going to have to become, they're going to have to do whatever it is. And my, my guess is they had, they probably don't even have any confidence or even knowledge of what Bo Perbula would be able to do in a game if he had to throw the ball just simply because he's never had to. And you remember that schedule they've got next year, that five-week stretch of, what, Ohio State, Wisconsin, USC, UCLA, Washington. You're going to go through that gauntlet with a running quarterback who's just going to get hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered. How's he going to survive that gauntlet? Bottom line is Penn State's quarterback situation is a gigantic question mark right now. When we entered this year, we looked at Drew Allard and we thought, hey, there's a guy with all the talent in the world. Let's see what he can do over this couple-year period. Instead, this year, basically a disaster offensively. Yersich gets fired. Drew gets hurt. Now we don't know what his future is going to be. And there are a lot of people saying, well, Bo's better anyway. Uh, you know, Who would have thought that we would be in this particular spot. Uh, I mean, really, even as of like a month ago, heading into that Ohio State game, just goes to show you never know how things are going to play out in sports, especially if there's a key injury. But again, don't, don't, uh, I, I wouldn't expect anything other than Bo starting, starting against Michigan State, running kind of the same kind of offense that they do. Maybe he goes seven for 12, seven for 11, for 85 yards passing, carries the ball 14 times for 75 yards, and they lean heavily on Fat Man and Nick in the running game, maybe some dump-offs to the tight ends, and then you 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 have your defense winning that kind of game. That's, that's the formula, but ultimately, as I conclude the quarterback discussion, from Christian Hackenberg to Trace McSorley to Sean Clifford to Drew Aller to Bo Prabula, I mean, Bo, is he just going to be Will Levis? They didn't know what to do with Will Levis. We didn't have any idea how good of a passer Will Levis could be. Maybe Bo could be something like that, although he doesn't have anywhere near uh, Will Levis' incredible arm strength. But we never got to see what Will Levis could be at Penn State. You know, maybe we're going to have to find out pretty quickly, depending on how things go next year, if Bo Prabula can be an all-around quarterback. back to the third and final segment real brief here i just want to again mention happy thanksgiving to everyone ask you all to kind of kind of ponder this yourself what are you thankful for uh, in the world of sports i do this segment on my radio show every year uh, for thanksgiving week so just wanted to ask everybody here what are you thankful for in the world of sports and i thought about this a good bit over the past couple of days uh, one thing i'm thankful for is that i cover a football program where people care a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous amount. Sometimes maybe a little too much, but I've been doing this for 31 years. I don't cover Central Michigan football. I don't cover Toledo football. I don't cover Washington State or even Arizona State or any one of another 120 other football programs in the country where yeah, it's big. People care, but it's not uh, anywhere near to the level of passion that 
a fan base like Penn State has. Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, you know, Florida, LSU, USC. There, there are 10, 15 fan bases in the country that are similar to the Penn State fan base where every game just means a ton. But I, I'm, and maybe it's not, it may, but it may be similar, but it's not as much. I'd put the Penn State fan base in the top handful of just how much it means. Uh, because of the huge alumni fan base, 110,000 people going to games. But from my personal perspective, and I hope for your perspective as a fan, you can be thankful for that. Because even though it's been 37 years now since Penn State's won a national title, and I don't think another one's coming for a long time, to be honest with you, sadly, the expectation is that it's there. And the passionate fan base so badly wants it to happen. And I'm in the media and there's dozens and dozens of us who cover Penn State football every day, every week. We are reminded by fans who are extremely passionate. They'll love what we have to say or write one week, hate what we have to say or write another week. And I haven't talked about this much um, because I've wanted to keep it private. But when I had my situation with James Franklin, a month and a half ago with the speaking Japanese and I'm coming from Mars when I asked about letting Drew Aller throw it deep, give the receivers a chance, which I was 1 million percent correct about. Uh, and I will forever believe that I was correct, even though that video is going to be out there and, you know, people may associate with that with me and James Franklin clowning me. I was right. I was right. They needed to be working on that stuff then. They never got it worked out. Mike Yersich gets fired. Now we're wondering about Drew Aller's career. Anyway, uh, James Franklin called me a couple days after that. It happened on a Tuesday. He kind of felt bad about some of the heat that I was taking, and he called me on a Thursday. We had a really nice conversation, and he said, I'm not going to share um, much of what we talked about. It's personal, and I, I respected him for doing it, but he, he did share this. He said, you know, the people are, fans are passionate. That's why I have a job. That's why you have a job, and he's absolutely right. James Franklin makes eight and a half million dollars a year and is the head coach of one of the most uh, historic football programs in this country because of you folks, the fans, the passion that you have. I've covered Penn State football for 18 years and any story I write or I do my radio show every day, if I bring up a Penn State topic, I can get a bunch of calls. That's because of passionate fans. Uh, You can't, you know, you're not going to get that level of passion covering Central Michigan or Washington State or a lot of other programs around the country. And I am very thankful for that. Sometimes it can be lead to some some heartache and some and some hassles with mean messages from fans. Uh, and that's kind of I think what James was getting at when we talked about it on on the phone. You know, that's why he has a job because of the passionate fans. That's why I have a job because of the passionate fans. And I will say during Thanksgiving week, I'm extremely thankful to have that job for a sports program that has such passionate fans because, man, uh, everybody cares a great deal what's going on with the Penn State football program. And it's much better to be around a program where everybody cares than one where nobody cares. You know what I'm saying? So, again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Appreciate you tuning in this week. Be very interesting to see what happens with the quarterback situation at Michigan State and in the couple weeks after that. So, we'll have it all covered closely here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. 